This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. What's up, everybody? I hope you all had a great Christmas. Welcome to Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where I, your host, Shane Told, sits down with other lead singers to talk about what it's like to be a front man of a band. Now, I hope you all got what you wanted for Christmas, uh, but if you didn't, uh, this episode really is a treat. <laughs> Today, we have Pierre Bouvier of the band Simple Plan on the show, and I'd say he's the first true, real rock star we've had on the show. I mean, Simple Plan has sold uh, 10 million records worldwide. They've headlined arenas, stadiums, festivals. They've had their songs on movie soundtracks. Uh, They've done crazy, crazy stuff. Um, And I actually met uh, Pierre uh, quite a long time ago. In 2006, uh, Simple Plan took us on kind of our first real European tour. Um, so it was just the two of our bands and we spent a lot of time together and, uh, the guys in Simple Plan are some of my favorite people and some of the best guys you'll ever meet. Um, and, uh, this summer on the Warp Tour, uh, we were on the Warp Tour together and I ran into Pierre and said, Hey, would you, uh, would you want to be on my podcast? And he was totally, totally down. Now, a lot of people won't know this, even big Simple Plan fans, uh, back in high school, Pierre and Chuck, who's the drummer for Simple Plan, they played in a punk rock band called Reset. And they were one of my fa- they are one of my favorite bands of all time. And when you think of Simple Plan, you definitely don't think fast, aggressive, heavy, and certainly not political, but Reset was all of those things. So we do talk about Reset a fair amount in this podcast. Uh, we do talk a lot about how, you know, Pierre and Chuck had a huge falling out, and then they somehow ended up in Simple Plan together, basically taking over the world of pop punk. I find the story so fascinating, and Pierre really, for you know, for a big name rock star like he is, he really doesn't hold anything back, and he's very, very honest and very, very candid again. And this this interview really couldn't have went any better. So before we jump into it all, uh, I really want to say thank you to everybody who has been using this Amazon 
dot com link. Um, if you haven't checked it out, <laughs> well, basically, if you're going to buy anything on Amazon, go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. All that does, it redirects you straight to the Amazon website. You can log in, and then whatever you buy, Lead Singer Syndrome, the show, we get 4%. Uh, and people are doing it. We actually got a little bit of money. Um, so, you know, not a lot, but a little bit, and every little bit helps. So please, if you're going to be on Amazon, please check that out. Uh, also, again, uh, our social media, looking a little thin. I think we can do better. So if you're listening to this and you haven't gone on your Twitter or your Instagram or your Facebook and added Lead Singer Syndrome, uh, please do so. Please check it out. Also, you know me. I love the hate. We got the hate line open, 657-666-HATE. Give me a call. Leave a message. Uh, whatever you want to say. Maybe maybe you don't like Simple Plan. Maybe you don't like Pop Punk. I don't know. Whatever. Leave me a message. I'd love to hear from you. All right. Here we go. Episode 7 of Lead Singer Syndrome and my conversation with Pierre Bouvier of Simple Plan. i do anything. Welcome to Lead Singer Syndrome. Thank you. It is so nice to have you. Thank you. Uh, this is my friend Pierre Bouvier from the band Simple Plan. What up, what up, World we Wide are, Web? What are we doing right now? We're on the back the back lounge of the bus. Yeah, we're on Warp Tour 2015, Detroit, Michigan, in the back lounge of my bus, which looks like a closet that has not been cleaned in a long time. Yeah, the crew is a bit messy on this uh, bus. Yeah, well, you know, um, right now um, we have the whole cr- the whole band, obviously, full crew and my wife on the bus, so all the mm-hmm. bunks are taken. Therefore, there are no junk bunks, which means the back lounge becomes the junk bunk. Does your wife have her own bunk? Yeah, she, she does right now. Oh, really? She's stoked. So she doesn't like you that much. You know, when we first met, we, we slept always in the same bunk, and we had our dog with us, and she sleeping in the bunk with us, <laughs> and it was so much love, and... T- 10, 11, 12 years later, um, we take separate bunks. Yeah. Yeah. It's not That's, that we don't love each other, but you no, know. No, I mean, I get it. You know, when you, you know. first fall in love with someone, you sleep with them like all tangled up. And then, you know, we have kids together. We like, we like, I like my sleep. You know, I love her, but. Well, I'm sure some people listening to this have been on a bus and seen what a bunk looks like. Oh, some it's people tiny. haven't, but it is very tiny. It's like 24 inches wide. You're not a small dude. You're no, not a big, no, huge dude. I'm a regular size. And she's a tall lady, oh, too. Yeah, she's 5'9", five, 5'9 nine, so five, nine and a half. Yeah, so. I fully get it. So you you say you've been with her for... Uh, we met... It's We met... I think it's been... I think we met 11 years ago. And um, we were engaged for like seven years. We got married two years ago, but we've been living the married life way before that. Yeah. It's like we kind of like delayed them. I don't know why we didn't get married before, but we have two girls. We had our first daughter in 2011. We got married in 2013. Lennon, that's her name, right? Lennon. Yeah, Lennon. You were telling me the other night about her. Yeah, and then our second daughter, we got married when she was eight and a half months pregnant, and two weeks later she gave birth to our... Yeah. Or a month later she gave birth to our second daughter. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, so we've been married for only two years, but we've been together for so long. I don't even... We don't even remember how long it's been. Like, today she was like, what's our anniversary again? I'm like, I think it's May 27th. She's like, is it 23rd? So, you know, we've been we've been living together for, since 2006, so we've been together for a long time. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting you're kind of coming right out with this because I'd say, you know, looking up a little bit things about you, doing research for, you know, I do do a little bit of research mm-hmm. for these things. You're a very private person. Yeah, and I, it's funny. I, I, I was a very private person 
especially years ago, and uh, I think it was about a year ago. I don't know what happened, but I was, I mean, I have two daughters now, and like, you know, we're, we're, we've always been a solid couple, and we've always been together, but I always felt like, I think when with band first started, we always felt like, hey, we don't have to talk about our relationships, we don't have to be like super open, but then I feel like from then till now, the generation that we're in, and with Instagram, and like reality TV, it's mm-hmm. like, everyone shows everything, you know, like I was, I right. was I'm not, and I, the last year I was like, why am I not talking about this? I'm like, why? When people would like, when when pictures would would leak of uh, like my daughters or some or a private picture of me and my wife, I'd be like, oh man, where'd they get this? Ah, you know? Yes. And then I was like, they're gonna find it. Like if if a friend of mine posts a picture of my daughter on their Facebook, someone's gonna find it. And and I was like, why do I care? Like why? Sure. Why does that bother me? You know? And then I was like. You know what? Screw this. I'm just I'm full disclosure. Right. This well, is- it's interesting. I mean, I mean, you talk a little bit about how you you know didn't want to post stuff about this privately when you were a younger band. Was there ever any pressure from like label or management or something to? Oh, Pierre Bouvier needs to look like this single guy, this eligible guy. Was that ever a conversation? No, I've heard that. I've, I've I've never experienced it before. I think that being being a band that is so self managed, I think that we sort of figured it was better to do that uh-huh. you know the label never really questioned i just wonder it. how conscious of thing that was i think i think when you're in a boy band when you're in a band that's like <laughs> been put together by a you know a corporation they probably tell you that um but no we never had that sort of pressure i think we all just felt like hey we're in a band like you don't have to have you know yes but but now i feel like everyone is doing that you look at like bands like black 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 veil brides or like you guys from all time low they're always mm-hmm. like with my girl hanging out and i'm like yep. oh that's cool like why why am i not it's cool that? i mean i think you, know? you want to you know people are real people and yeah. they want you know and sometimes that makes them more relatable yeah and the fans and there's just nowhere to hide anymore no exactly yeah. and that's the thing is that back when we first started and i would say even way more before we started there was a lot more mystery surrounding bands surrounding their private lives which i think is kind of cool like if you if you look at like the real old rock stars, you know, like yep. the Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, yeah. they never like posted or talked about their, you know, girlfriends or whatever. It was it was a mystery, you know. Even like when I was, it wasn't uh, if you read their book uh, twenty years later, right? Exactly. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think at the time there was a lot more mystery. Whereas as now, because everyone's got a camera on their in their pocket or in their purse, and everyone's just firing all the time, it, it's it's full disclosure, which I think is kind of cool. And I'm I'm embracing it now, and I'm like, hey, you know what, people and. The thing is that I think back in the day when stuff used to leak about Lachelle and I being together, I think there was like, oh, my God, that girl, I hate her. I hate her so much. But now it's like people want to hear it more. You know, I look at people with their girlfriends or guys in bands with their girlfriends or wives, and it's like, oh, such a cute couple. Like they're actually – it's like they're they're more involved in the band's life now. They're like, oh, I know your daughter's names. I know this. I know that. And it's cool, you know. It's cool. Yeah. I mean, sometimes yeah. I know what you mean. Sometimes it is a little weird. Yeah. Even like I don't have any kids. I have yeah. three nephews. Mm-hmm. And, and even that, like I'll post a picture of them and then a fan will be like, oh, your your nephew Liam is so cute. And it's like, it's kind of weird that you're saying his name. Yeah. So, like, I don't know yeah. why, but I mean, we both come from like that old school. Yeah. Where maybe now kids are just like, yeah, it's just. And it's okay. I mean, the fans are, I mean, especially I think fans of our band and probably yours as well, they're, they're, for the most part, they're harmless. They're not looking yes. to really, and even if they are sort of creepy and weird on the internet, sometimes it's generally just on the internet. Like, if someone says like, "Oh my god, I hate her so much. I hope she dies." Like, that was a horrible thing to say. Mm-hmm. But they, I don't really think they're thinking that. You know, they're right. probably just that's 
hiding behind the keyboard. The I shock can say, value of it, yes. I can say whatever right. I want, you know. So, right. so it's all good. You so, know? eleven years, uh, yeah. you've been in now two years married and two children. So, has it been? I mean, obviously, what you do, being a singer of a band on the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys used to go real hard. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get a little more into like the hiatus and you guys being back in a bit, but. I want to talk about how those bumps in the roads have been for you with, mm-hmm. you know, now with this relationship, with children. Like, how yeah. has that been? Has that been hard? Uh, I think uh, when I met my wife, she was, uh, the band was like kind of coming towards its peak. Um, and uh, she was very understanding of my life. And we we actually dated like an open relationship for like a first year and a half. And uh, she was really open and, and sort of, understood what I was doing, you know, and she was very cool with it and kind of wow. wasn't ever like the jealous type. And that really helped me. You know, I think she was always never showed me signs of like, yo, what's going on? Like I saw a picture of you like hugging a girl. It's like, it was like, no, I understand you're, you're meeting a fan that's crazy about you. She's hugging you. It's fine. You know, but the open relationship thing is, is yeah, that's, I wasn't expecting that at the beginning, you yeah. know, cause when we first met, so you, it was like you were dating, but you weren't yeah. totally serious. Yeah. Because I was on the road yeah. like 99% of the time. Right. Um, but were you jealous? I mean, you must have been jealous of her too. No, because I mean, it's hard. It's also this. We're going back eleven years. There was no Instagram. Yeah, no exactly. Twitter, so it was. So it was a lot more. It was kind of like a period of, of us getting to know each other, you know. And then, uh, and then after that, I was kind of like, okay, cool. This is this is serious, and I and I'm in love with this girl. What? Why am I right. not committing to this person? You know? Right. Um, and then uh, and then yeah, but I think it's it's takes a really strong woman to be with a guy in a band because there is a lot of <laughs> stuff going on definitely on does. the road and you know I think it's uh, and plus I think for a guy in a band you have to find a girl that really makes it worth it for you you know he's gotta I think that uh, I found someone that makes me a better person and that and that understands me and I think she's my support system you know so it, she makes my life easier as opposed to harder you know That's I've been I've been with that. girls where they make your life a little more complicated, you know, and they add more drama to your life. Yeah. And that's uh, not the case with this one, so. That's great. And she's from San Diego, that's correct? From Ojai, which is near Los Angeles. It's like... Southern California. Yeah, it's a very cool, very spiritual, um, very hippie town that's like just east of Ventura. It's like Uh a small valley, and uh, if anyone knows where that is, they would know it's like super... Sort of like super hippie town. And when I met her, she was going to college. So she was your ticket out of the icy winter too. Yes. So let's not forget about that. Yeah. When I when when I when I uh, when we became serious, I she was living in San Diego, going to school there. So I'd go visit her, and I was like, I was like, where should we buy a house? Like, well, <laughs> let's buy one in San Diego. You know, like why we're not <laughs> yeah. gonna go back to Canada? I mean, Canada's nice, but I mean, yeah. there's that. So you're a, US eighth. C- you're a U.S. citizen now? No, I'm not. I'm still a Canadian citizen. I I don't think I'm gonna give it up. Or not give it up, but I don't. I don't know that I'm going to become a U.S. citizen. Yeah, maybe I will. We'll see. Good, holding strong. Yeah, holding strong. You can always get both, right? Yeah, I think that's a thing. Yeah, you can I think do you both. Can, yeah. yeah, I think Canada doesn't actually. If you say, "Okay, I'm a U.S. citizen," now they're like, "Okay, we still consider you Canadian." <laughs> <laughs> they never let you go. Exactly. Whether you want to or not. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I mean, the obvious question I think a lot of people are going to be wondering is like, where have you guys fucking been, mm-hmm. and why do you take so long? between records yeah I, the funny thing is that like when, have you been on the beaches of san diego watching hockey is no that what you've been doing the funny thing is that i feel like we never really stop but uh from for the fans from the fans perspective and, and someone on the outside they're like well you've been on a hiatus for so long you know yeah. or something but really we're just writing you know and we're uh, i mean 
the fact that we're all, you know, in our mid-30s now and we all have relationships, we all have stuff going on, um, then we all live in different cities. Chuck now lives in, in Los Angeles part-time and I live in San yep. Diego. Right. Um, and him and I have always been the writers of the band. Um, and we get together and write, but I don't want to, you know... Well, first of all, we take a long time to write. We really, I think, it takes... Some magic has to happen to create a magical song. And I think because our career has been really good and we've had a lot of success, we're financially able to just take our time. Okay. You know, and not be like, oh, crap, we got to go back on the road because i got to pay my rent. You know, we've got right. enough cushion to be like, hey. Because with, of some, like, publishing opportunities and stuff like that. And, just because, and just, I mean, we've done well and enough your where. records continue, your back catalog continues to sell. And, yeah, and because, yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, we, we've, we've. We became big when records used to sell, right? You know, I mean, we've had we've got probably close to ten million records under our belt, and mm-hmm. you know that's allowed us to have a nice cushion to to rely on when you need it. Um, so we want to take our times to make our records because we want them to be great. So and there was never there was never a time in this last period of time where you're like you're having kids and you're in your mid thirties that you're like you know what maybe maybe we're gonna let Simple Plan go. That was never a thought in your mind. No, and and then you know I think when we come back from a our touring cycle usually lasts about two years because a record comes out like this one's going to come out probably in October or something like that and then the touring will slowly start the record Mm -hmm. will get out there we'll do some promo by the time the new year arrives we'll start doing some real tours so then we'll tour South America we'll tour US we'll tour Canada we'll tour Australia we'll tour Europe we'll tour Southeast Asia and that would be the first run to get the, the word out there then the, hopefully the second and third single will do huge, and then we'll do it all over again, and then we'll do the summer festivals. So by the time our cycle is done, we're looking at two years. And right. when we're done with two years, it's like, okay, I need to take a little break. So, you, yep. so we go home, we do like maybe two, three, three months of like no band, no nothing. And then we're like, okay, let's get writing again. And, cool. the, and that process to get back started again is always a rusty one because usually we haven't written a song in like two and a half years. So... Yeah. We're like, okay, let me update my Pro Tools kit and make sure my microphone <laughs> works. And, like, you know, we got to do some demos and stuff. Um, and then we, we start writing, and usually the songs are kind of crap and just okay. takes a minute so to. So, you, you're a band that goes through a lot of songs. Oh, yeah. We, our last record, we, we recorded about 75 songs. Mike, 75 songs? Yeah, well, demos, right? Demos. That's a lot of songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are, you ta- I'm t- are you talking like 75 completely polished? I would say 40. Lyrics, I would say 45 completely done and another 35. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, no bridge. Yeah. Like, full-on lyrics. You got though. to the point and you were like, it's probably not that great. No. And, you know, um, and starting on the last album, we started doing a lot of co-writing just because Chuck and I have been writing music together for over 20 years. We started our first band together when we were 14. Yep. And that was 22 years ago. So, yep. there's a, we're like an old married couple. <laughs> and sometimes old married couples have trouble communicating you know what I mean sure. because we're like there's so much baggage that if I say an idea and he doesn't like it or or if he has an idea and I'm like eh there's so much pent up stuff that's been happening that's like a lot of times it'll just jam us and, and we're like we'll just sit there for two days and be like oh well we got nothing cool awesome he, he doesn't bring up the, the song Friend by Reset does no he? exactly <laughs> that, was, that was a good song um, was a good song yeah that was a song written I feel bad when, when that ever comes back but it was a, a true, a real song, well, you know? I, I want to dive a little bit back into your past. You know, you said you've known Chuck f- since you were, what, like 
little kids. Yeah. So it's been and 22 years. You took those sticks, you put them in there in his hands. Yeah. That was a uh, little bit that, that was a little bit rude. You know what? Hey man. Yeah. It's okay. Well, you now, know how it is, okay? right? You know, yeah. You guys have had a very great friendship and career since then. And yeah. I understand. But um uh, what what I want to bring up is like, you know, I was a huge reset fan mm-hmm. growing up. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time favorite bands even to this day. Nice. And every time I sort of mention it to you, you know, I think I see you like shake your head maybe a little bit. Well, but I, I mean, you you were a little kid like you started the band when you were what? 13? 14? Yeah, like about that. we were in, in uh, grade 8, whatever that would be. Yep. So that's about 13. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and can you tell me what happened? Like how, yeah. how you got started because y- your band was pretty pretty very good yeah. and quite successful to the point where you guys did several US tours. Yeah, we did okay. We did a well, the way it started, we were in high school and I had a background of music in the sense that I'd played some piano when I was younger and my dad has a guitar, my guitar my my brother plays the guitar, and I just have, I guess, a little bit of a natural ability to play some music. And when I was younger, I'd rented a, rented a, a friend of mine had rented a drum kit, so I'd learned to play the drums. And mm-hmm. I was in music class at school, and there was a drum kit there, and I'd play the drums there. And I I knew a little bit how to play music. And then Chuck would always love music and wanted to be in music, but didn't really know how to play any music. Um, and doesn't really have that natural ability to play anything. Yeah. Um, and... But he wanted to be in a band, and so did I. And another friend of ours who was a bass player was pretty good. And so we started a band together, and he didn't really know how to play drums. So I had learned a little bit. So I kind of like always was the one that helped him, like, oh, this is how you play this beat, or this is how you do this, or try this, or it'll help you if you remind yourself the kick drum's going between the two hi-hat hits. And like I would just sure. break it down for him. You the know? basic things, yep. Yeah. So, um, so that's how we kind of started. We started a band. And we were three of us. There was no singer. It was just one guitar player, a bass player, and a drummer. And we yeah. just played four chords over and over again. And we played <laughs> our our, our um, high school talent show, which was awful. Um, but we never really started doing covers. It was the weirdest thing. When I look back now, it was really weird because we just... I didn't really know how to play guitar very well. He didn't really know how to play drums very well. My bass player was decent at metal. And we just started like doing chords. Like I'm gonna do these three chords yeah. for like you know four progressions, and then we're gonna switch to this one, and then there's gonna be a bridge. We immediately started. We just started writing, um, and that was a band called Roach for a minute. Roach, okay. Yeah, and we did a record in my parents' basement. We basically wrote twelve songs, and we I guess we were really creative back then. It was we we wrote the songs are embarrassing. It was like. <laughs> There's a song called Pubic Mushrooms on the record. Damn, nice. There's a song called Cops Are All the Same. Coming from a 13-year-old, like, <laughs> what the hell? It's just, you know, I was listening to Rage yeah. Against the Machine. Sure. and like, I, I totally And it was, like, just, you know, some But, I mean, obviously, stuff. you went from this band, Roach, to Reset. Yeah. With some of the same people. Yeah. And you, obviously, I mean, you started writing some pretty damn good songs. But by the time Reset had happened, we'd been writing music for, like, two, three years yeah. already. So... We just wrote a bunch of songs, and we had another guitar player that came in that was super metal, like fast player. And then I became a singer because I was the 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 least crappy at it. Right. I you know I, therefore became a singer. I'll actually give you the exact same story. I was pretty much the only one of my friends that could carry a tune. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I I never thought I was a great singer, but I was the one that was not horrible. So and then reset began, and it was all about like super fast punk music mm-hmm. and like skate type music, and uh, yeah, very political. Even though. I, 
I don't really consider myself to be a very political person. But at the time, you're in high school. I was I had a lot of frustrations and rage, and yeah. I had to take them out on something. But and, you were the lyric, lyricist then, too? Yeah, and Chuck actually was the guy that would always feed me the stories. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because Chuck is a very intellectual guy that likes to read the paper and likes mm-hmm. to do all this stuff. And he was always into that kind of stuff. And he would, I'd be like, so tell me about some stuff that's going on that's like, that's horrible out there that like <laughs> that are you know that 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 sort of is something we need to defend people right you know and uh he'd tell me stories about you know whatever tell me something that happened in the news or and i, I just talk about it so okay so you got this band and it's good and all of a sudden you go out on the road mm-hmm. and how old are you you're on tour and you're the first tour the first real tour that we did i was 17 um and it was with 10 foot pole Crazy. Yeah. Tw- Ten Foot Pole, a band called 22 Jacks, which... Uh, I remember them. Yeah, Joe Sib is a singer. Um, and it started off in uh, in Vancouver. So our first tour, I'm 17, Chuck is 17, bass player is 17, uh, guitar player is 18, um, and we're going to start in Vancouver. So we buy a beat-up Winnebago, a 1982 piece of crap for like $8,000, and uh, with my dad's money because he helped us out. Because I told him, like, when we get back, we're going to have some merch money. We'll pay you back. Sure. So he fronted us, he fronted us the money and uh, bought this thing and drove it across the country at 17. There you go. Started Crazy. in Vancouver. It was uh, That must have been nuts. It was the most like, amazing experience ever. You know, we, Three dumb kids, you know, like, have never seen anything. Yeah. French had, Canadians just. We had a friend of mine that came along to sell merch and drive the drive the truck. And uh, and that was it. We just did it. It was, it was awesome. It was the most ex- amazing experience ever. Um, and we came back from that, and I was like, this is it, man. This is what we're doing. This is it. Yeah, this yeah. is it. And, I mean, we made no money. We made a little bit of money. We made enough to to pay my dad back a little bit. Um, well, when you're 17, I mean, you don't care. Yeah. You know. And, um, uh, and yeah, so that band kicked off and made a couple of records. And then our second Canadian tour is when sort of the shit hit the fan, yeah. so to speak. Um, but by the end of it, I think what happened is that Chuck is a very – he – He's a workaholic, and he's—I think he's always felt like you need to do more, and you like he's very driven. Yes. And I'm—I mean, I think that I'm more maybe the creative side of it, and like the more musically inclined side of it. And he's like the manager, and he right. just wants this so bad more than anyone else, and he has great ideas. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I think I was too young to realize that he was an asset, and I think he was too young to realize that he was um being a little too intense sometimes you know like he would just want to control so bad and you just forget that sometimes he came across kind of a like an asshole um and that those two immaturities coming together and clashing clashing and with my guitar player we were like you know what why are we like nobody likes this guy yeah he pushes us but like he's always pissed off he's always you know yeah really mad and so we said fuck it he's out of the band you know um, and that was kind of a, a big moment for all of us. I think I think it made him grow. And when he left the band, and we had another drummer came in, the band sort of like kind of fizzled away it a little did. bit. Because, I remember that record coming out. Yeah. Uh, what was it called? No Limits. Is that right? Yeah. Your second record. Yeah. I remember when it came out. I was a huge fan. Yeah. And I didn't even know it had come out. Yeah. Because and I couldn't get it at the store. Yeah. And I guess that probably was something to do with Chuck not being in the band because the business side of things. You know, which a lot of lead singers uh, are the business person in the band, and mm-hmm. they kind of control everything. Yeah. And then a lot of them really want to take a back seat, and yeah. they don't want to do deal with any of that shit. Yeah. And that was sort of me, you know. So yeah. I feel like the band slowly started to fizzle away. The concepts weren't as clear. The 
like the video shoots were just kind of me like it wasn't like chuck always had a vision and always always right. had the desire to make it better and better and better and better and you really need that you do and you so know? so the band fizzled out you were kind of left i mean you left the band and it was interesting i had a couple quick stories that might might be funny to you yeah so i remember i saw you guys play at an opera house toronto mm-hmm. and i talked to you after the show mm-hmm. and i don't remember exactly why but we talked about the song the song friend yeah that i brought up earlier about yeah kind of the the diss track yeah about chuck and you actually said to me something like yeah yeah like you know we're actually like talking again we went, we went out and had dinner yeah was that like kind of the beginning of simple plan right there at it that a- point it absolutely was it was it's um because I'm a, like a 16-year-old kid. And yeah, you're no, no, this, that's exactly know? what happened. What happened is that the band reset was slowly not doing big things. I was kind of losing interest. Uh, we had a drummer that was kind of crazy. Like, I mean, a nice guy. Adrian was a great drummer, and, and he was an older guy that really wanted the band to work. Mm-hmm. And I was like a slacker that was like, eh, eh, eh. And I think that the band sort of started slowing down, and I was like, hey, what am I doing here? Like, yep. I'm working at a at a St. Hubert restaurant. I'm working for my dad. Good gravy. Yeah. <laughs> working for my dad. I'm driving a truck. I'm in this band. Like, I need to go back to school. Like, this is... Right. Like, this is... I'm not... Ma- I'm working jobs to support my drummer who's living in a house that I pay the rent for and to support my band. But this band is kind of, like, slowly going nowhere, you know? Yeah. Um, and at the same time, Chuck, after being kicked out of the band for about a year was like, of course, the workaholic he is. He was like, I need to start another band. Like, sure. I want to do this again. So he started a band with friends of mine from high school, Jeff and Sebastian. And as I was slowly thinking about going back to school and just quitting music altogether, he was like putting this band together, looking for another singer because he just wanted to put it in my face like, screw you, man. Yeah. You kick me out. Look at this band. But he couldn't find anyone that he liked as a singer. You know, they had a, a few incarnations of, yeah. of, uh, of other singers that they didn't like. Um, so eventually I saw him at a Sugar Ray show in Montreal and I hadn't seen him in like <laughs> Sugar Ray show. Yeah. Nice. I hadn't seen him in Sugar like Ray. in like two years. Yep. And we spoke and I was like I it was my best friend that I hadn't seen in so long, you know? Yeah. So he was like, Hey man, what's up? I'm like, hey, what's going on? Good to see you. And he was like not pissed and he was like not angry. Yep. And he, I think at that point he'd he'd done some therapy. Cause, oh, wow. Yeah, because I think when, when the band kicked him out. I think he sort of look, looked at it and going like, whoa, how did I get here? Like, why did I get kicked out of my band? You know? Mm-hmm. And I think he Makes went, sense. To, he did some therapy and I think he realized that, hey, I got to chill out a little bit. Like, I have to right. control my urge to be better and better and better and not push everyone away, you know? Yeah. So he was like, yeah, hey, I'm starting this band with the guys that you know, Jeff and Sebastian. I'd love you to come, come check it out and see what you think. Because he respected me as a musician, I guess. Um, and I saw it and I was like, whoa, this is like fresh. And it was like way more, I think, accessible. And like, because Reset was very, it never really had a place in the mainstream, I think, for Reset. It could have been. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it was a very aggressive political fast, you know, oh, punk, yeah. punk, 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 punk. So to, for me to hear the type of music that was like, whoa, this still has that energy. But this is weird to me because you're saying you and you came in and they'd already had like started a band. Yeah. But I know I know Simple Plan is like kind of you're the creative force behind yeah, it. Yeah, because... So they had, had they already sort of like discussed it was going to be like a more pop-driven yes. Yeah, pop but there were, when, when I say they had songs, they had like progressions and like riffs, but not really full songs. I think they have one song with some lyrics in it that was yeah. not all that great. But just the idea of like... 
you know, Blink-182 was kind of coming out, and they were blowing up big with, like, Enema of the State, or that was about to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that whole more poppy side, like Sum 41, all that stuff was, like, about to explode. It was, like, that time, even, like, Phoenix TX back yeah, then. I remember. Um, so that style of pop punk was like, just starting to happen to me. Um, so when I heard what they were playing, I was like, whoa, this is really cool. This is, like sort of what we were doing back in the day, but way more accessible, and I like it. You know, like, I've mm-hmm. always liked pop music. My parents, my mom used to listen to Whitney Houston, and, like, uh, my dad loved the Beatles and uh, Fleetwood Mac, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I love that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So, well, this is the funny thing. So as these bands are transitioning, I'm losing interest in Reset. Chuck is starting this band with these guys that it is more fresh to me, and he's like, do you want to sing in this band? And I was like, ouch, that's going to be... I don't know. I'm still in reset. Like, what am I going to like? I yeah. like if I do this, the, we had a drummer that moved from Vancouver to come play in reset in Montreal. Yeah. I'm like, if I do this, first of all, he's really going to hate me. My guitar player is going to hate me. Like we kicked you out. Now I'm joining you. And I, was, and I was like, you know what? Let me try it. So I saw a couple of rehearsals. I, I played with them. We wrote a couple of songs. Um, and uh, I was like, this is more appealing to me. And then in true Chuck fashion, after about a month and a half of me kind of playing with both, and there was still some gigs coming with reset. Oh, he made you choose. Oh yeah, he was like, "Well, listen, man, like you know, wow, yeah." He's like, "I don't want to force you or anything, but like, I think you kind of have to pick. We 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 can't be doing both. You don't want to be in both wow. bands. So what do you care about? You know, right? So at that point, I thought about it, and I was like, and I know that Chuck had been pursuing some labels, and like we like like actually, I think the fact that he was so hungry got me excited again because he was like we're gonna chase some major record labels i've got some interest already which probably was a lie anyways but like he was like got me excited on the fact that this could be a bigger level than what i've ever seen before um so one day at a reset show i pulled the guys aside and i was like guys i know you guys heard that i'm playing with the other guys for fun but i'm gonna not just for fun no i'm like i'm i'm cutting off reset and there was a big show coming up uh there was snow jam in uh montreal and i think to the oh, simple maybe plan, maybe that's where I saw David for the first to the time. Sim- yeah, it was on TV. And to the simple plan guys, it no, but the Toronto version, I think. Right, right, right. right. But to the simple plan guys, uh, to Chuck and Jeff and Sebastian, they kind of made it clear to me that if I really wanted to be in this band, I should not play that show, and that was the cutoff. Wow. But it wasn't like that vindictive. But it was kind of like, hey, like if you go do a big show on TV with this band, and we're doing this, like. Which way are you going? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So at it that point, sense, it makes sense from that perspective. Yeah. As so well. at that point, I was like, okay, screw it. I'm I'm done with this band and I'm switching over. So then, um, yeah. So then well, I was I, like, I want to talk about this time too because one another my second thing I wanted to share with you, which is really interesting, was I went to see Reset at the New Jersey Warp Tour. Mm-hmm. I believe it was, I don't know, maybe 1999, something like that. Uh, and I went to see see them, and you weren't there. And you didn't know, and I didn't know because yeah. you know this is back in the day. There was no fucking Twitter, of course, exactly no updates. I don't know. No, like yeah. I like the band. I go see him, and I was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Yeah, and tell the people who this fucking guy was because yeah. it's such a funny story to me. Well, this is the funny thing. So they had to find another singer for Reset. In comes David. Um, Phil had recruit uh, like auditioned some people for to take my place on Reset, and David was one of them, uh, and he was super talented. Um, very young and fresh and like mm-hmm. excited and um just talented you know just great guy so he joins the band 
And I leave that band and go do Simple Plan, which I'm the bass player slash singer for about a year and a half. We write some songs. We go in the studio. We do some showcases for labels. We play in Toronto at the Horseshoe. Um, we got interest from Atlantic Records. We got a whole bunch of cool stuff happening. But nothing ever, you know, gets gets us the deal. We never yeah. get the record deal. You never you know? get the deal. Um, so after about a year and a half of working, we figure, because I used to be a stand-up singer for reset, I didn't course, use the plate originally. Yeah. The four piece with yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so Chuck knew that because he was back. He was, the, he was the drums back yep. in the day, and I think he realized that hey, that was way more exciting to watch when you used to do that. As soon as you start taking the bass, you're stationary. You can't be yep. jumping around. You can't jump in the crowd. You can't, you know, sure. be bouncing up on stage. So we figure, hey, maybe we should add a member to the band. Maybe that'll make us a more exciting band, and maybe get us a record deal and yep. all that kind of fun stuff. So you decided, or probably Chuck decided, to poach, just to really destroy Reset. Yeah, just really drive it but in. It really by was stealing it, their their new lead singer. How be, are they ever going to recover from to that? To be honest, it wasn't the intention. But I think, I think that in Montreal at the time, there wasn't like a a, a sea of talented musicians that were incredible at singing and playing bass and doing all that stuff. Right. I mean, and plus, it wasn't easy to reach those people. I mean, now. You can buy a decent guitar set up for 150 bucks at Target and start learning. You know, back yeah. then, like if you want to be a musician, you had to commit to it. You know, you had to. It's true. You know, um, true. so they were more rare. And when we saw David play at the Snow Jam, we watched him in person. That must have been weird for you. Yeah, That's it was weird because it's my songs. You know. Yeah. Um, but I was okay with. It. I didn't want to like you know. You didn't never felt animosity no. or anything. I, felt, I always felt like. For me, as a fan of the band and a fan of you know a fan of you, and then a fan of David actually. Yeah. And then when this band came together, I was like, that is so strange. Yeah, you know? it is strange. But I think uh, the the plan wasn't to necessarily destroy Reset, but I think that when we saw David, we're like, holy crap, this guy is really good. Like he was a great bass player mm-hmm. and sang great. So to us, we saw like, okay, this guy could be the perfect missing link to this band, you know? Right. And I definitely have some regret in some senses that like for my friend you know phil the other band i felt like it was a little bit harsh for him um and it was a definitely a selfish mood a move but i think we just saw no other choice we're like that's what we need we're like this is the excitement that this band needs you know we're like and at the same time i think we were looking at that at, at reset and they hadn't really written any songs since i had left he was just playing my old songs and playing yeah. my old songs. And the interest towards the band had sort of dipped because the original singer wasn't there anymore. Sure. I think we all felt like that's not going to do anything. I mean, like that's not going to like you need to have a good songwriter. And I think that it's going to sound really <laughs> full of myself. But I think that what attracted people to reset was the songs that I had written that I written with Chuck and Phil. Right. And I think that when I left, the magic there was a little bit gone, you know, so we felt like we should take David and just bring him into our band and like this could be huge you know and this could really be the missing link to ours yeah. and it's a selfish move and I still well you know what I mean like, you were I, a young kid too right yeah I mean, and there's I feel, obviously like everybody has regrets about yeah. their young musical career and I feel bad about it and, still to and this day in hindsight but I mean, it, look you, where you are now that's the right? thing you know so, it's like so I feel bad about it and I think it it was it was what we had to do and if you look at it today like you're saying it's like Obviously, I think it was the right move, you know, yeah. for us. Sure. Um, but yeah, so that's the story. That's how this band became the five guys that are here today. So- 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You somehow went from being basically a non-singer, only the guy in the room that could carry a tune, to now being a standalone singer in like a multi-platinum selling like band. Yeah. How do you feel like a singer now? Do you feel like that, or do you feel like a part of you is sort of pulling the wool over everyone's everyone's eyes, and you're like, I'm just a guy writing song. I'm a songwriter, or I'm like a you know, I'm a guitar player, or yeah. drummer, or bass player. I'm not really this front man. Do you ever feel like that, or is it? I feel has it changed. Now? I feel like a fraud every single day. Like, <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I don't think I'm a singer, and and people always. I think most a lot of singers feel that way. Um, I do feel that way. Yeah, sometimes and I too. think that like I'm like, oh man, whew, like got through that show. Woo, lucky guy. Like I, and I know I can sing, and I know that people like my voice, and I know that. Um, that it has some appeal to it. I know that like that I can create a song and it was going to be great. But I feel like singing for me is a struggle. You know, it's like it's and I think that's what people like because when I sing, it's painful <laughs> in in a way. You know what I mean? Like it's not like ooh, this is natural. The high notes come out naturally. I just fucking belt it out. Like no, I have to fucking work at it. Sure. And when I'm singing anything above an A. A sharp, B, whatever, like, yeah. I am struggling to get there. Yeah. And that comes across in the music. And even my wife has told me, like, sometimes we, we'll, we'll get wasted and go home and I'll just sit in the piano and sing and my voice is shot. Because right. I'm drunk. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, I sound like... And she's like, you sound so amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, how could you think that? Like, I can barely hit a note. And she's like, but that sounds so cool. And I think that's what it is about a lot of men singers that people like to hear the suffering you know and i think when i sing i'm suffering a little bit right it's a, that's a great point but i i have a thing about singers too while we're talking about it that a lot of the biggest bands of all time have singers that aren't that great yeah i mean other than like the obvious like amazing guys like freddie mercury yeah you know like uh, uh you know robert plant yeah you know like obviously there's those guys but then you look at like bono yeah not a great not singer. a good singer no you know but he has a very distinctive voice yeah so i look think, at nirvana there you go i mean is he would he have won american idol no no he wouldn't no you know and but that's and the would thing you or would i no <laughs> i don't way. even i wouldn't mean make i wouldn't make it past the 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 auditions you know it's I mean it's that's, true but that's the interesting thing though about like what who we are because yeah. people look at up at a band especially something like Warp Tour mm -hmm. where there's so much focus on the lead singer of the band and they don't understand yeah well Pierre was he was there in the studio every fucking minute mm -hmm. with the producer every day work every note mm -hmm. was his note mm -hmm. and they don't understand that so that's always an interesting thing when you're up there and you're singing the song. And I did an interview with Caleb from Beartooth. Mm -hmm. He not only um, he not only sings the songs, he plays everything, produces everything, mm -hmm. literally hits record on his own studio. Right. You know. So obviously that's I mean, then that's pretty much you as well, from yeah. what I understand at this point. Yeah. Well, I I um I do all my demos now. Um, I have never produced one of our records. I don't think I'd ever want to, just because I like having a referee there. I think it mm -hmm. it puts a lot of pressure on a band to yep. to all look 
at one of the band members to be the the guy that decides something or like I don't feel comfortable telling Jeff I don't know man you should play that again that wasn't really good be like I don't want to sort of fight yes I'd rather have someone else be that person sure um, but I record my own demos I've recorded some stuff that sounds pretty good um, I've got a mini studio set up at home but I love and that's been a big asset for me is is learning to record my own voice because I know what sounds good I know where to crack it I know where mm-hmm. to push it i know where to scale back you know and i think that hearing takes comping my own vocals like i can comp it on the go you know so right. it's cool so but, but um have you ever thought about doing any kind of solo project yeah i have is well i mean it's been what are you waiting for i mean it's been you know a long you road, know and i know that that yeah. uh seb is doing has done some stuff yeah and i mean obviously maybe for him as you know the backup singer guitar player maybe he wants more of a you know, he wants that outlet. Yeah. And maybe you already have that. But I yeah. also want to ask you if part of it is maybe because you're not as confident a singer, if yeah. that's something that's been, you, you know, you've held back from. I think there's a, a few reasons why that hasn't happened yet. Um, I think that writing songs is kind of difficult, you know. And plus, the funny thing is that, as you we were saying before, people think we're in this big hiatus. We're doing, you know, we're sitting around, chilling yeah. around, doing whatever. But we're really just writing a new record. So... There's not a whole lot of time for me to to be investing, you know, a month, two months, three months into a solo project, you know. Sure. And I think, I think that it's important for a band that has success to 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 keep chasing it, you know. To we're here, we've got fans that care about us. If I do solo record, it's not going to be as powerful as a simple plan record is. I think in 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 some ways, you know, maybe it would be, but I think that we have something good going on. And the fans want it. Yeah. Why am I going to dilute that and like kind of upset the other band members probably? Because if I do that, we all have, you know, houses and wives and kids. This is our career. We make money doing this. And as much as we love doing it, it I don't have another job. Neither does anyone else in this band. I mean, guys have some projects here and there, but yeah. this is our bread and butter. So sure. I feel a commitment to the band. And if I write something, since I'm the major writer of the band... It'll probably sound kind of like Simple Plan. So if I do that, like what, what I sometimes I hear stuff like where when Tom from Blink did uh, Boxcar Racer, some of the best Boxcar Racer songs could have easily been Blink One Eighty Two songs. Why were they not just Blink One Eighty Two songs? You know what I mean? Like, and I get why. I, the answer to that is very simple. I don't know. Like I, I know what you mean. So like if you took the best of those three Blink One Eighty Two yeah. bands and put it onto a Blink One Eighty Two record they'd have some pretty good shit. Yeah, you know? I understand that. But at the same time, like, with what Simple Plan does, I don't... How do I say How do I say this without offending you? No, I know what you... you I have, know, yeah. A lot of the songs are very simple, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. And a lot of the chord progressions are simple. Yeah. You're not going to do anything overly crazy because mm-hmm. you're, you're generally sticking to, like, classic... Classic chord progressions yeah. for the most part. Classic song structure. Yeah. You know, does that ever get tiring for you do you ever like do you ever just want to like be like fuck i want a no effects beat over this and i just want to punk it out or i want to like play like a fucking riff like really like riff out or do like something heavier yeah do you ever feel that yeah and and maybe that's almost what i'm asking you with this question is like is is that like an outlet you need or are you just like completely happy with trying to make the best simple plan song you can over and over again i think it's a little bit of both um i think every one of my records has a little bit of a curveball you know has some a little bit weirder stuff and i think that honestly when i 
like when I hear stuff like from your band or, or bands like a Pierce the Veil or whatever stuff like this do that's really cool and I'm like wow that's so aggressive and so cool and I'm like I'm gonna try to write that and I can't like I'm like it's I just don't do it as well as you guys do and I'm like why am I gonna do like a half-ass version of what I think that sounds like just because you know um but that being said, we do have some stuff on this upcoming record that are, that is way different. But usually it's different. Do you not, have a title for the record? Not yet, actually. It was so bad. We really should have one. But um, we have some... I think we do a lot of stuff that's a little bit different. And But the main reason is that I'm not always creative all the time. I don't go home and be like, okay, I just spent three months making this album. I want to go in my studio in the backyard and record some songs of my own. Yeah. Because... For me, it's hard to write songs. It takes a while. I'm very perfectionist. I want it to be great. I don't just like grab a guitar and like sing something. I don't know what to say. Like I have to think about it, you know. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times when I get back home after working on the record, I'm like, I want to go surf. You know, I want to be with my kids. I've got two girls. Sure. I want to hang out with my friends. I want to have a barbecue at my house. I want to go play some golf. Right. And by the time I've done all the things I want to do, and I've like worked on my house or like I'll, I'll um, we're landscaping the house now and work on that yeah. by the time I'm done it's like whoa time to get back in simple plan now because people are waiting you know right. so I think a, a lot I of mean, it is a lot of it is a time constraint but thing. it's also great that, that you guys have had I mean you guys went away for four years uh, since, your, well, since your last record right mm-hmm. and you haven't done much touring and I just watched you play on the warp tour and wherever we are today detroit and yeah. every kid was singing yeah so you've done a great job of keeping your fans around mm-hmm. and not alienating them by trying to change your sound and that's the thing i've realized something on this last album especially or even maybe the third record we're always thinking like we can't keep doing the same thing we have to like change it up and like on the third album that came out in 2008 or nine or something eight i think um, we wanted to go more mature and like the image of the band was a black and white yep. picture and we wanted to add some the beats. Thumbs up though, right? Yeah. You had to keep a little... Uh, well, was I, I, I was the... actually holding holding my jacket oh. like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I thought it was like a thumbs up and I was like, okay, it's like a little dark imagery, but uh, yeah, I gotta give a thumbs up. You gotta <laughs> stay positive. That's funny. Um, but we tried to be a little different then and even before we started recording this last album that's coming out in a couple months, um... We, I mean, I, I met up with Tim Pagnota from uh, Sugar Cult, who's a great producer, produced like Neon Trees, uh, mm-hmm. produced, uh, uh, what's the band called? Shut Up and Dance With Me. Oh, yeah. Uh, fuck, what is that band called? Great band. Great uh, song. Whatever. That song's great. That song. He's indie rock, like he's the number one indie rock guy right now. And yeah. he used to be in Sugar Cult, which is super pop punk. And we wrote a song with him and he was like, guys, we could like take your sound and like just make it way more current and like indie pop rock and we thought about it and like he's like do a riff and like it's so much simpler than you think and we're like but then i was like if we do the most awesome song that sounds like the black keys for example or whatever some some more like cool hipster sounding thing it's not gonna work for us not because we can't pull it off but because that's not what people want to hear from us and this is a revelation I've got from we've all realized that we are who we are the band is successful at what we do and people like us for what we represent and I think that's important to kind of follow that a little bit because like I said a band someone listens to Arcade Fire and that loves Arcade Fire and those types of bands doesn't want to wear a Simple Plan t-shirt 
They don't want to buy my record. So if I make the best Arcade Fire sounding record, it's going to be awful for me because my fans won't really like it. And the fans of that style of music don't want to be Simple Plan fans. So what am I doing it for? You know? Sure. So I think I mean, for, it makes sense. So for us, I think we realized that like embrace who you are and instead of being instead of trying to being someone else, be the best version of you. You know? Right. And that's been a big thing for us. And it's not about being throwback or like trying to not disrupt the fans. It's really about that's who we are, you know. Like that's what I liked when I started. That's what I still like today. And do I like Stuff that sounds like, like I said, your band or Pierce the Veil or even Black Veil Brides or August Burns Red or whatever. Do I like that stuff? Absolutely. But that's not who I am, you know, and that's okay. So you, you're, you've you come to terms. You're proud of your legacy with Simple Plan and you're yeah. proud moving forward of everything. Totally. Yeah. And we always try to, we always try to evolve, you know, and I can play you some new stuff that you'll hear. They'll be yeah. like, whoa, that's you guys. Sure. But I think that there's also a reality that we, we like for our band to be relevant. We like for our band to be heard. We like for our music to get out there. And what helps to do that is having a hit. If you have a hit on radio, the message gets across. People hear it, they listen to your record, they go buy the album, they become fans. And if you don't have a hit and it's a great album that's on Spotify or that's on iTunes, but you're not really getting any traction, it's hard to get people's attention. So, like, people, even in the States, we haven't had a hit in a long time, and people say, like, oh, my God, where have you guys been? You haven't been, like, haven't been ah, around for, right. like, eight years. You haven't had that mainstream presence. And I'm like, we've been playing. We did a U.S. tour. We did, like, you just don't know about it because we didn't have a hit. And people aren't talking about it, you know? Yeah. So we're always mindful to try to write songs that, as much as we like them, to be like, oh, this could be on radio. And we don't get played on rock radio. We get played on pop radio. Sure. So it's got to be somewhat pop, you know. And I like pop music. I love it. So yeah, that's fantastic. You know. I guess I, I guess I just want to talk to you about like real quickly about how you know what are you like? You're in your thirties now. Yep, thirty six. Thirty six. And I mean, I'm thirty uh, thirty four. Had to check thirty four. Yeah. You know, isn't it weird how sometimes you yeah. forget? Somebody asked. I went to a, like a casino the other day, and um, you know, they like asked, they didn't ask. Ask for ID. They asked right. how old I was. Right. So I was like, "Oh, I'm thirty. I'm thirty-three. I think I might have said thirty-two. Yeah. And my girlfriend goes, "No, you're not. <laughs> I don't fucking remember. It's What's funny. wrong with me, dude? Yeah. It's but, with um, age. We're getting old. But yeah, I mean, you get older, and you know, you, you mentioned how okay, yeah, like I'm writing songs, and songwriting's hard for me. And I write a, I don't come home for from a fucking three month tour, and pick up the guitar yeah. I go golfing and I go surfing and yeah. I have a barbecue and I'm worried about landscaping and I got bills to pay and I yeah. got this and I got my kids um, so does how does music how is music in your life now do you still feel passionate about music um, I definitely do feel passionate about music I feel like the band it is you know inevitably becomes like a job right yep um and a lot of times, I'll be honest with you, I really don't feel like going to work. I don't feel like going on tour. I don't feel like trying to write a song. But whenever I do it, and whenever I, if I'm like, hey, I don't want to write a song, but man, this record needs to be done. I'm going to go up to LA and spend the week there with Chuck, and we're going to bang our heads on the wall for five days and try to write a good song. I really don't feel like doing it. But after five days, or after two days, if we have a breakthrough idea that's amazing... It gives me a sense of joy and excitement that is 
the reason why I keep doing it. And it's not for the money because I don't know if the I don't know if the if the if the song's going to be a hit. But when I have a song that I've written that I'm like, wow, this is really good, and I think and I'll never know, but I think I would be a fan of this if I heard it. Yeah. And I like I mean I play my music all the time. It's really lame, but like when you I have listen a, to your own band. Oh, when I have a demo, not the records, but when I have a demo that I just did because I produce it myself. Yeah. I listen to it like a hundred times, and I'm like nonstop. And I'm like, this is amazing. I love it. I love it. And <laughs> That's a great feeling, you know? And, you know, if we have a tour lined up, like, a few weeks ago before we left for the tour, I'd been I'd been home for a long time. I'd been, you know, making a record in Southern California near my house. Um, and I've been writing at my house, so I'm yep. with my girls. And the tour's about to start. We're in the road, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to. Like, i got to start warming up my voice. got to start doing stuff. Right. Um, and then I play a show. And even if I'm, like, right before the stage, like, oh, I don't feel like it. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Get up on stage, play a couple songs, get down in the pit, get down in the in the crowd, grab their hands, see them singing back, and like seeing the emotion on their faces, on my own face, it's it's awesome. You're you back. Know? Yeah, I'm back. I'm stuck right in. Yeah. Even though your voice might hurt the next day. Yeah. Are you, is that trouble trouble right now after this short little little trip and today I'm a little, at the I'm a little bit at the after party. And yeah, all that? I'm a little bit uh, hoarse today, but um, I realize that I think and talk to me again in six months, but. I've really worked on my warm up and warm downs and it makes a huge difference. Right good. now I sound like crap, but I can warm up into a good singing voice yep. if I do it right. I've taken a lot of vocal lessons from different people and I've sort of picked and choose the stuff I like the most from everybody. And I find that I used to wake up on tour and sound like this, like kind of hoarse and like, eh, what's going on? And be like, oh, mo- oh boy, uh-oh, won't be able to sing tonight. So what would I do? I would stop talking. Yeah. I'd be quiet and I'd wait for sound check and I would power through sound check and I'd be quiet. Yeah. And then I'd get on stage like, okay, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's sing. And I've realized that now it's the stupidest thing ever. I need to warm up. I need to like, yeah. I can wake up now in the morning and I do and I'm like, whoa, my voice is pretty banged up and I just start humming all day and I just do the lip trills and whatever yeah. all day and I... I loosen it up and I stretch it out, and then by the by the it's set true. time, it's Even good. Even just talking for me does it. Like I wake See, up talking for me actually hurts. Oh, it does me. hurt you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like that, I was way better before this interview than I am now. <laughs> yeah, you sound a little raspy. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. It's Only fine. one more. Well, no, 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 no. Chicago might get a rough one. It's totally fine. <laughs> no. But talking is the worst for me. Yeah, I think I speak from the wrong place. Maybe. Yeah. But it's, you know. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but uh, anything oh, else good. you want to add or talk about? I mean, maybe the new record, when's it coming? Uh, it's still kind of up in the air. We're looking at possible October release or maybe January. Um, I think first single coming out in September. Good. We've got um, the new song, Boom, that we've been uh, playing live that's going to come out in the next couple of weeks. That's not a, that's not a radio single. It's going to be a song that we want to put out for the fans. Um, and then possibly another fan song and then first single in September. Um and yeah, then a new record and then more touring and more madness. Awesome. Crazy. Looking forward to it? Yeah, I am. I think I think so. I think uh, it's going to be bring tough. Your kids on the road? The kids were with me last week in Ottawa and in uh, Sherbrooke for some other shows and they will be coming with me in Europe in in August. Um, and they love it. They just love the, the Are tours. Are you stoked that uh, your band doesn't swear so that your kids can learn your songs and not you don't have to worry about it. Totally, we do a couple of swear words here and there um, on the new album, and I whenever I sing them in the car with because they love my new. They want to only want to hear Daddy's song. Yeah, I I just I just like bleep it. Yeah, I bleep <laughs> it when, when the word comes around. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I always wonder about that. I always wonder like about bands or the you know 
what does Zach DeLaRoche's uh, kids think about, you know, fuck you, I won't do what you're Oh, yeah, about. right. Things like that, right? But even, like, when, when we listen to uh, to the radio in the car and, like, even my wife, my kids are very young. They're, they're three and a half and two. Um, so even shut up is kind of a bad word. Ah, yes. I mean, like, you don't really say that. I, mean, I don't say, they don't even know what shut up means. They don't know that it means shut your mouth. It just sounds aggressive to them. So whenever the song comes on, like, shut up and dance, my wife just goes up, and dance with me. <laughs> Hardcore Get up parents. and dance with me. You know, it's pretty funny. So, but you know, it is what it is. They're going to learn all the bad words, and they will. They're going to be horrible. They're going to party, and uh, but we're going to be loving parents. They might even form bands and go on the road at seventeen, and you're going to have to buy them an RV to drive across the country. That's unacceptable. That? Unacceptable. I will not. Actually, I'm okay with that. We'll see. <laughs> I'll probably go on tour with them. You know, you probably will. I'll be yep. the sound guy. Beautiful. Well, hey, Pierre, it's been. It's been real. Of course. Really great seeing you, and thanks for chatting with me. It's a pleasure. Peace Peace out. Thank you. So there it is, my conversation with Mr. Pierre Bouvier. We got into some deep stuff there, and I love the story about how their bass player, David, (laughs) replaced Pierre, then ended up in the same band with him. So, so bizarre. Next week, it will be 2016. Can you believe it? Man, 2015 just flew by. We will be back with an all-new episode, and another doozy, as I like to say. Um, please, if you guys have some extra time over the holidays, uh, please go back and check out the first six episodes we've done. I think they really got something for everybody. And um, Also, if you like the podcast... It really, really helps out the show if you can go to iTunes and write a review. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Um, Just five stars would be nice, and that really, really helps us uh, with the rankings and and having new people find out about the show. Also, suggestions for the show, feedback, or if you just want to say hi, uh, feel free to email me, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. That is it. Thanks again. Happy New Year to everybody. I'm going to leave you with a song that Pierre and I were talking about in the podcast. This is the song Friend by Reset from the album No Limits. Um, And this is actually kind of a diss track about Chuck, but it's okay now. We can play it now because uh, they've made up and they've had an amazing career together. Uh, Feel free to check out all the other Reset too. This is kind of a poppy jam. Um, A lot of the Reset stuff is a lot faster, um, but you'll hear at the very end of this song, it kind of gets fast, and that's sort of what Reset sounds like, generally speaking. But this is a great song regardless. This is Friend by Reset on Lead Singer Syndrome. Please have a happy and safe new year. We'll see you next year. Started off a little while ago. We built this little boat. We set it off to sea. Then we brought.